Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. To be here, really good to be here. I've got to know Owen a little bit over the last. And uh, was it for Lucy, isn't it? Uh, Owen has a massive, key, important role and great influence, and God's hand's been on him massively just to help shift and, and change positively uh, just how we do the event. I've personally just been discipled and grown a lot sitting in meetings with you. Uh, just he- help me as, as a man of God, as a worship leader, just in understanding youth, understanding culture. So, yeah, real, real privilege to be here. You do have a mighty leader in your midst. I hope you know that and what he carries in God for this city and, and the nation uh, and this generation. Owen is actually, I've always found him sort of a quieter fellow. I haven't quite <laughs> sort of understood him um, <laughs> until last year. We had a leadership weekend away in Brighton. I'm from Brighton. And um, we Skyped in both Owen and Pauline. So my first exposure to Pauline. And then it all made sense. <laughs> Just seeing the two of them together was, like, beautiful. Just that whole half an hour, we were just in stitches, like our whole leadership team, just laughing our heads off. So, yeah, uh, mighty couple. Wonderful. Thank you for what you inputted then, and thanks for who you are. Um, so, yeah, I'm Simon Merritt Anna. We're from Brighton. And about worship today, and to understand the riches and glories of what we have in New Testament worship, I'm actually going to take us back a few centuries, uh, actually a few millennium, to some Old Testament um, history. Anybody here love history? (laughs) Great, it's about a few of you sort of sheepishly waving. Um, We won't be there long, but actually history is very, very important to help us understand the future. So we're going to look at Hebrews 10.19. That will come up on the screen. I'll read it out. Don't worry if you understand bits and pieces of it. It's okay. We're going to go back and, and understand it in a minute, looking at some stuff in the Old Testament. First, have a look at Hebrews 10.19-22. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened up for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with true heart in full assurance of faith. Lots and lots and lots in those dense few verses. Let's pray, shall we? This word is living and active. Let's pray for the Holy Spirit to teach us about God and about worship this morning. Father, we just say that we need your help We want to be students of God, students of Scripture. God, we want to see you today afresh. Holy Spirit, would you take the words of Jesus, illuminate them in our hearts and our minds, change the ways that we think, God, if we are not in line with your word. Lead us into greater freedom, uh, God, as a community, as worshippers. We just pray, be amongst us. Help me, God, to communicate uh, your word right now. Be with us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So lots of this language is referring to stuff in the Old Testament. So we're going to go back to the time of Exodus. God calls Moses, the people out of slavery. Um, I'll tell you what I'll do. I will tell you when to change. Just go back one. Um, yeah. You'll give away the surprise. Um, uh, we're going to go to the Old Testament. Uh, in, in Exodus 25 to 31, you can read about 
God told Moses to build a tabernacle. They'd just come out of uh, slavery in Egypt. God called Moses up a mountain. And um, 40 days of just being in the glory of God, God said to Moses, take a collection from all the people and I want you to build for me a tabernacle. And from Exodus 25 to 31, there's literally these six chapters and it's just building instructions. Just really, really, if you were like an architect, you'd love this. Really, really specific in the design, the size, the shape of it. So, would you like to see the tabernacle? This is it. Surprise! Um, Slightly kind of unusual um, looking, but obviously this isn't a photo, they didn't have cameras back then. This is a, someone has like got a model and geeked out on those six chapters and and reconstructed it. But if you Google image tabernacle exodus, you'll see loads and loads of different things that all look almost exactly like this. Uh, Almost everything you see there has been prescribed very specifically by God, down to the number of columns, the height of them, these different people, what they should be doing, the fact there's an altar there made of bronze, this kind of canopy thing, what's that about? Let me talk you through just three sections. This is the tabernacle. Then outwards here, you have the court of the tabernacle. Then inside that tent, uh, you have the holy place. Then inside that, there's a big, big, thick curtain And there's the most holy place, the holy of holies. And that curtain, anybody know the colours of that curtain? Purple, red and blue. God's really specific about the colours for some reason. Um, Interestingly, the colours of a bruise. But God wants a curtain there. (laughs) Uh, And inside the most holy place, uh, the second thing about this is there's an ark. An ark built of acacia wood. And this ark represented like the manifest presence of God inside this most holy place, inside the holy place, inside the courts, which make up the tabernacle. There the presence of God dwell, manifest presence of God over this ark. Um, So we'll have more of that in a minute. Thirdly, these guys here dressed in white, they were priests. Uh, Priests were from the tribe of Levi, Um, And their role was to minister as priests on behalf of the people to God and on behalf of God to the people. Uh, And what they did, they were involved as a priesthood, this sacrificial system. So let me explain some of the book of Leviticus to you. This is also an unusual book, Leviticus, all kinds of things, a burnt offering, a grain offering, a thanksgiving offering, different offerings. What would happen, the people of Israel, when they sinned, when they transgressed, did something wrong, they would look up in the book of Leviticus, the the sin that they did, and next to that sin there would be the offering they'd need to bring. Is it a lamb? Is it a bull? Is it two doves? They would take that to this little gate here, to the Levites. The Levites would take that, dove or lamb, whatever. They'd take it to the bronze altar. They'd lay it down. And obviously the animal would would die. Um, But the the blood that was sort of spilt there would represent atonement for their sin. And it says, you read through Leviticus, you read through Exodus, that the aroma of that would be a sweet aroma to God. And these Levites were doing this all day long. You know, Israel, that time, about two million people, about the size of Wales. That's a lot of sin in a day. Just con- constant, not because they're Welsh, they're Israelites. But a, a lot of constant people coming to have their sins atoned for, bringing their, their animals. You couldn't just have any old animal. You couldn't just like give the gammy one. It had to be a, a really pure goat, you know, a really like pure lamb. It had to be a good one. You couldn't just give the, the worst. So these Levites constantly serving. Um, now, 
there's another thing you should learn about the tabernacle. In daytime, uh, God showed his presence, I'm sure you guys know this, uh, in the daytime by a big pillar of cloud. So if you go to the next picture, um, sorry this is not a very high resolution picture, this is Israel camps all around, and God marked his manifest presence by this big pillar of cloud that was just always there. Um, it's God's way of like manifestly showing I'm amongst you. At night time, obviously, you can't see a cloud. So what did he do at night time? Next slide. Uh, that turned into a pillar of fire. You just imagine being camped, you know, a mile out, just amongst your camp with the people of God and seeing in the distance this massive pillar of burning fire in your midst. It's the awareness God's with us. That's quite a supernatural phenomenon. You, you don't see that. We don't see that. God was marking out, hey, this is my people. I will dwell amongst you. Just one more thing quickly about the tabernacle. Uh, they had one day called the Day of Atonement. It was a holy day. Israel did no work, a bit like bank holiday. Everybody stopped. Um, and actually, it wasn't just a holiday. It was a sober day. And on that day, it was God would uh, almost um, atone for like all of the sins of Israel, all the ones that even unconfessed. Um, special day, no work, holy God. And they would have one of these Levite priests for one day, by lot, would be not just a priest, but would be a high priest. They would get the opportunity to go actually into the holy place and into the most holy place, into the holy of holies. There, one day, they got access. But you couldn't just go into the Holy of Holies. No, 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 that's where God dwelt. Very, very strict um, ritual and routine. They had to go and wash themselves thoroughly, completely, completely clean. They had to go and put on really, really like clean white linen. Then they had to put on this like special outfit. Then they put on some, um, well, I'll talk through their outfit in a minute. Uh, they would, he would personally take the blood of a bull and he would carefully go through the curtain into the holy place and put the blood of this bull on the floor. And that would represent just atonement for his sin. Then he would go out and they would take a couple of goats. One of the goats, they would confess the sins of Israel and send off into the desert. That represents just sin being removed, you know, put onto the goat and gone. God removing sin from his people. Interestingly, that's where we get the phrase scapegoats from, from there. And you know, Psalm 103, as far as this, uh, the east is from the west, God removes sin from his people. This was like a visual representation of that, like I'm removing it from you. But the other goat, the, the priest in his really clean outfit, would go into the Holy of Holies, cautiously, reverently step into where the ark is. The source of this fire would come into it and he would sprinkle the, the blood of the goat on the floor and God would pardon Israel. It's a day of just an annual day of soberly realising, yeah, we are sinful, but God saying, I am forgiving you and I'm atoning for your sin through the blood of this goat. Only one guy once a year. What if you were that cheeky kid at New Day that on the last night loves to like be naughty and steal steins and you know, just run into the big top? If you did that in the tabernacle, God would have killed you. You couldn't just bowl into the Holy of Holies just like because he fancied it. No, you're unclean. You would have died. So it's very serious. So although it's kind of, it feels a bit random, um, let's just quickly have a look at this, this high priest. Um, uh, next one, sorry. 
Um, so I know it looks, sort of looks slightly unusual, um, but actually everything about what he's got here has been prescribed by God. This white clothes, this linen would be like crisp and pure. You'd notice on his breastplate he's got 12 stones and that was representing the 12 tribes of Israel who were camped around the outside. So when he went into the Holy of Holies, he's not just going as a high priest on his own, but he's representing all of Israel, taking them into the holy place himself. Thank God for me and for us, would you atone for our sin? Would you forgive us? And God pardoned them. So that's the high priest, that's what he got to do. Um, let's go to the next slide. So, yeah, although it feels kind of a random, it's important to remember this whole thing was God's idea. No one came up with this, God came up with it. He said to Moses very specifically, do this. So when God does this, and this is the way they worshipped him, this is the way in which they came and, and brought their offerings, their guilt offerings, their thanksgiving offerings to these altar. It's important to remember this is God's idea. What do we learn from this? God wants to be amongst his people. He wants to dwell in their midst. He's happy to. He wants to. It's his heart. He's not distant. He's not miles away. He wants to be there in the thick of them. But holiness is a big deal. You can't just be with God. You can't just be in his manifest presence. No, there's, there's problems here. So yeah, I want to be with you, but it's still a bit of a distance. You need to come to me on my terms, very clear ways that you approach God. Um, but also God marks them out with his presence. I want the, I want the world to know, here's my people. Um, and you really need a priest. This role of the priest was so important. And as you journey through the Old Testament, you see this, this tabernacle pop up a few times, and this sacrificial system and the Holy of Holies comes through a few times. Later on in Chronicles, they built a temple, not just material, but an actual like, temple made of stone and brick, but the same thing. There's the holy place, the most holy place. So it goes all the way through the Old Testament. Um, but all of this, this is pointing pointing, pointing to something. What's it pointing to? Or should I say, who's it pointing to? It's pointing to Christ, to Jesus. So this is step one of our history lesson over. Let's fast forward a little bit. Let's look at Christ. Let's look at him. Uh, Christ, in the light of all of this, let's understand now what Christ has done for us. Four things about Jesus quickly. First, the Bible teaches us that he is a high priest, says in Hebrews 2.17, Jesus had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest. There it is. That one guy, once a year, this is what he was saying, Jesus, because he became a human, he's become a high priest. He's become like that guy in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. All of these high priests once a year pointing towards this, this great high priest. One day this priest would come. And you know what? Not just with 12 stones representing the 12 tribes of Israel, God came as a man, as a human being, representing not just like man but humanity. And he became fully man and he walked through just humanity. The heights of it, the depths of it, loneliness, depression, you know, the temptation, struggle, rejection, just all of it, or humanity he tasted, this high priest coming before God, fully human. I'm standing before you, mighty God, 
on behalf of all of humanity. High priest, the depths of humanity. Secondly, about this high priest, into heaven. It says in Hebrews 9, 24, For Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, think about that tabernacle, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. So this tabernacle was a copy of something else in heaven. God wanted to show them, do this, build a tabernacle, why? This is pointing towards something in heaven. And when Christ came, he didn't just enter into like a curtain and a holy of holies. He went into actual heaven itself, not just a tent, the actual throne room. There's no more holy place. The actual holy of holies, where the Lord Almighty sits on his throne, governing the nations, where glory, where myriads of angels are singing, where there's all power and all authority. Jesus steps into that place as a human, representing all of humanity in heaven itself. This has massive implications for us in worship, which we'll get to. Third thing, sacrifice. Uh, I'll read from Hebrews 9.25, says this. Nor was it, this is about Jesus, to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy place every year with the blood not of his own, Then he'd have to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. This is where there's a twist in the story. This high priest, standing before God, not just in a tabernacle, but in the heavenly places, this high priest doesn't bring the blood of another goat or the blood of a bull. He sacrifices himself. He is the sacrifice. John says in in John chapter 1, when he first sees Jesus coming along, he says, look, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Think how many hundreds, thousands of lambs would have been sacrificed all through the Old Testament. But here comes the Lamb of God, a different lamb, a lamb without blemish. It says of Jesus that he was tempted in every single way, but never sinned. A pure, perfect lamb, standing before God, but then sacrificing himself, spotless lamb without blemish. Then fourthly about Jesus, it's this, uh, he sat down, he sat down. It was not repeatedly, every year, he didn't have to redo this sacrifice, didn't have to die on a cross, then come again the next year and die on the cross again, then again, no. Hebrews 10, 12 says this, but when this Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Why is this astonishing? Well, think about it. No priest has ever sat down before that. Those Levites always had tons of sacrifices that they had to keep on atoning for sin. This Christ sat down. He sat down. Having gone through the pain of the cross having lived these 33 years, tempted in every single possible imaginable way, struggling through rejection and betrayal, pushing through all these different people trying to crucify him, saying, I'm going to die for you. Getting always to the cross, letting out the loud cry, it is finished, going straight to the grave. And after those 40 days, finally getting back to be with his father, 
He sat down. It's done. It's done. Made an eternal propitiation for our sins. He's dealt with it for all time. Because he sat down, this opens up something for us in New Testament worship of an altogether completely different nature. So what I want to do with the remaining time, which if I'm correct is is about two hours, um, we're going to look at four things from Hebrews 10, this verse we read out at the start, teach us about New Testament worship and the glories that we have now because of this Christ who is the high priest. Are you ready? Are you tracking with me? Good. New Testament worship, four things, let's go. We'll, We'll put them all up. Uh, actually, let, let's read this together. Um, sorry, you can't see the ones in red. In the light of what I've told you, hopefully this passage will make even more sense already. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opens for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, since we have a great priest Over the house of God, let us draw near with true heart in full assurance of faith. Four things about New Testament worship. Here we go. Uh, Confidence, most holy praise, high priest, let us draw near. Number one, confidence. Says let us draw near with confidence. Since we have confidence. It's just assumed, we have it. We have confidence. We have confidence to enter the most holy place. You might think, that's good for you, Simon. You have confidence. I don't. You don't know what I'm like. How can I have confidence before God? And sometimes you might feel more confident to come to him. Hey, do you ever have that? Um, Sometimes, I don't know if you have these weeks, where you just fly spiritually. You're up early. You know, your alarm clock goes, yes, I will. I will get up and I will pray today. And you open the word and God speaks to you. And that day, you're just aware, you're full of the Spirit. And you see someone hurting, you're like, brother, let me pray for you. <laughs> and you pray, and then you feel, yeah, feel best, great. And there's like a, a mini healing. And you go through your day, and, you, and you, you're, you're just full of the Spirit. Genuinely. Not, not in a weird way. And, and, and even that way, the next day, the alarm goes, I'm going to meet God. And you, you, you find him in the Scriptures. God prompts you to give for your gift day. £20,000. Yeah, okay. No, I, I want to do this. And in faith, you think, God, I'm going to believe you. And you do. And, you, and you, you see again, he's faithful. He's holding you. His promises to provide for you are astonishing. And you're walking by faith and you're just full of the power of God. And you come to worship that Sunday morning and they strike up the first song. You think, yes, I am ready. I am confident to worship. Here go other people. They might not have their hands up. Mine are up. <laughs> Why? I am confident to worship. Look, what, look what's been going on. I'm full of the Spirit. I've had a very fruitful week. Or conversely, alarm goes off on a Monday, that snooze button has never been hit so hard. <laughs> I'm done here. You, 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 and give that a couple of days, you're not really acknowledging God, not talking to him, not walking before him, not aware of his love and grace. Quite soon in your heart, emotionally, you start to feel insecurities, come back in, start living under lies you thought you dealt with months ago. You don't like who you are. You, you hit Thursday, Friday in a week and you, you just feel distant, dry. You keep a brave face because that's what we do. Internally, you, you can feel quite spiritually dead. 
living under the, the sense of like, oh, I wish I was a, a better Christian. Disappointed in yourself, disappointed in the lack of fruit of your, in your life. Even actually sin, tempted by something and actually think, blow it, I'll choose this instead. Intentionally choose something that you know is not right, whatever that is for you. And you come to worship that Sunday morning and you see some bright spark going for it and think, you know, there's always that one who's just going to do whatever. <laughs> Good for you. You don't know what kind of week I've had. You know. And in that moment you think, yeah, you keep a brave face, but you know, A, underneath of that you feel a bit dead. You think, well, the last thing I'm going to do is draw near to God right now. Um, so you kind of think, right, I'll, I'll just sit this one out a little bit. I'll get through say hi, you know, have some communion, get out of here. And the sense of confidence to come before God is very low. I, I don't even feel comfortable here, let alone confident to come to God. Both of those are wrong. Both of them are putting confidence in your flesh. If your confidence to come before God is based on your week, your daily worship to God, you've got it wrong. That's confidence in you. That's confidence in your flesh. That's confidence in your ability to live out a life of love before God. I'm not saying that stuff isn't important. No, no, of course it's important. But if your confidence to come before God is based on that, you've got it wrong. And again, conversely, if you're like, oh, I can't come to God, why? I've not been good enough. No, no, no. What does it say in Hebrews 10? Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is the only thing that allows us to come into the most holy place and to engage with God. There's no other way. So it shouldn't be like 50% confident in myself and then the blood of Jesus on top for the bits I'm weak. No, no, all of it is weak. Even your best efforts, your best weeks where you smash it, Oh, so now you're worthy. Now you don't need the cross. You're amazing. Come on in. No. Even our best efforts that we think we're killing it, we're still like down here. That isn't, that's not righteousness. The blood of Jesus gives you access. Gives you confidence. So this works both ways. If you're aware that you're just flying spiritually, we need to humble ourselves sometimes. Think, actually, God, I'm still unworthy to be here. I still need your grace. I say, it's your blood that atones for my sin. There's a, there's a humility that we just need when we come to God. Think, but, and also, in that humility, there's a confidence. But thank you, God, I'm welcome here. Thank you, God, I can be here right now. But the other side, if you're more aware of your sin and your failure when you come to God, the answer to that isn't, um, oh, it's okay, God just loves me anyway. And there's a bit more than that. Your confidence can't just be that. It's the blood of Christ. It's, thank you, God, you know about my sin. Thank you, God, you know that like, I shouldn't be here, but thank you that your blood was shed. Because of that, I can come boldly, confidently before you. As confident as you are that you failed, you should be more confident that you're accepted before God. You can come to him. You can come to him. There's a confidence that we get in God because of the blood of Jesus. It almost feels slightly naughty, Almost a bit like, um, uh, just presumptive, you know, like, I'm here. It doesn't say, you know, since we have, um, since, we, since we should be, you know, uh, should have a bit of access, let's come near. No, it uses the, that C word, 
confidence. Let me ask you, what's your confidence in to come to God? Are you confident in the blood of Jesus? Learn how to lead your heart before God. Say, God, I'm coming to you with a certainty in your son. And you might be like, no, no, I still can't do that. Well, just follow through what you're saying. No, I still need to work hard. What, are you saying the cross wasn't enough? That's actually slightly insulting. To say to God, oh, your blood wasn't enough, I need to hide. Well, your blood wasn't enough, I need to add my own works. That's actually slightly insulting to the cross. It's worship to God to say to him, hey, I know I've blown it. Thank you for blood, and I'm going to come to you, knowing that I'm welcome here. It's an act of worship and faith. Later on it says, let us draw near with a full assurance of faith. Faith is believing in God. But it doesn't say, let us draw near with faith. No, come on, come on, guys, let's come and worship with, with faith. No, not even worship with an assurance of faith. Come on, let's just be sure of our faith. No, it's, let's draw near with a full assurance of faith. I am here to meet with God. Hey, I'm also confident I've failed this week. I definitely have. But more confident than that, I'm here to meet with God. That's number one, confidence. I'll zoom through these. Secondly, enter the holy place. Hey, you remember where Christ is? He's not in a grave. He didn't go through a curtain just in in a tabernacle somewhere in, in Israeli desert. No, he's gone into the most holy place. Not a copy of the, it's a copy, sorry, it's not a, just a, one of these things, it's actually in the heavenly realms, not a tent, the actual throne room of heaven. Right now, there is a heavenly throne room where God is seated. And from that place, he is governing and ruling the nations. He has all authority, all power, all glory for him, seated there. Christ is there right now. And do you know where we are? We're seated in Christ in heavenly places. So there's a little bit of a proximity sort of paradox here. We're actually on earth in London. But spiritually, we're seated in heavenly places. And this is one of the glories of New Testament worship. When you begin to draw near to God, as we'll learn about in a moment... Although physically we're here, spiritually we have confidence to go right into that very throne room. That throne room where God is seated, all power and authority and glory, we get to enter. There's no curtain, Christ has gone through. In the spiritual realm, we get to be right before him. One day we'll be there physically as well. One day we'll actually be before the throne. But right now, spiritually, we get to draw near to God in heavenly places. Do you realise that? When we gather to worship, it's not let's sing a few songs and shut your eyes and maybe if you feel something, like sway a little bit. In the spiritual realm, we get to stand before the throne, before glory, before the Lord Almighty. We get to be surrounded, not by walls, but by angels. We get to join in with worship, singing about the holiness of God. We get to declare what he's done in our lives in the presence of God himself, all in the power of his Holy Spirit. Look what Christ has won for us here. Look what he's opened up. Come and be before my throne. Come and enjoy my powerful presence. This has massive implications. Firstly, in prayer. When you seek God in prayer, it's not just you in your room. You're going right to the holy place, right before the throne. And in in, in the spiritual realm, you can ask him for things. You're in the governing, 
rule of authority of the universe. You have that kind of authority, but also in worship, it's not just like pursuing the presence out there somewhere. Maybe it might just turn up, who knows? No, he's opened a way. Go right now into the presence of God. Experience his spirit. Not because you're good. No, it's the blood of Jesus. But draw near to a holy, holy place. We get to know his holy presence. There was fire in the tabernacle. Now we're baptised as a fire in the spirit. My invitation to you in London and my prayer for you is that you'd be a community that keeps stepping closer to the fire. Filled with the fire of God. Not just as a gather thing, but scattered. Young people in schools, youth culture, students, you're carrying the fire of the holy place wherever you go. Thirdly, uh, this high priest, remember he's completely human. There is a human in the throne room. All of your struggles, all of your difficulties, all of your temptations, all of your issues, insecurities, all of your pains, your suffering, all of just the stuff of humanity, he's been there and he knows it. And it says in Hebrews that he had to be made like us in every way so that he would be a merciful and faithful high priest. What's he like, this high priest is in heaven? He's merciful. He's not just merciful at a distance, like, oh, I'll try and be kind to you. No, I've been there. I've done it. I know exactly what it's like. Now as you approach the throne, this priest who's in heaven, he gets it. He gets you. He gets humanity. So the very things that you feel like, I can't come to God because of my mess, they're actually the things that he knows about and he wants to show mercy. He's kind-hearted. You're struggling. You feel insecure. He's like, oh, son, I know all about that. Come with me. Let's talk to the Father. You're in a place where you're feeling depressed. You've just got pain or rejection. He's like, oh, tell me about it. I know. Come with me. Let's go to the Father. He's merciful. He had to be made like us in every way so that he'd be a merciful high priest. Do you know that's his heart towards you this morning? As you come near to him, he's merciful towards you. He's merciful and faithful high priest. That means he's never not like that. He's always merciful towards you. He gets off the sofa. He helps you when you come near to him. He's not on the sofa. He's on the throne. Um, and lastly, let us draw near. This is the, like, the climactic bit of this whole passage. Let's just groove it out. <laughs> Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, and since we have a high priest you know, able to sympathise with you, come on then, let us draw near. I've got rid of everything in the way, everything that will stop you. You've got the ticket in, and when you get in, you're met with mercy. So come on, draw near to me. Draw near. Don't hold back. Don't stand at a distance. Draw near. So again, there's a bit of a proximity paradox here. I thought I was in Christ. I thought he's in me. But there is an invitation somehow. Obviously, there's, there's a nearer that we can get. You can get even closer. There's an invitation to go near. What are you going to do with this? Let us draw near. It's not automatic. There is a drawing near that we're responsible to do. Apparently, there's still closer we can go. Um, when I first started staff in Brighton, uh, I was, um, uh, had the great privilege of being on staff with Terry Virgo for about four years. He was on the staff too. He was my intern. And we got, um, t- Terry Virgo was the uh, apostle that started New Frontiers. And um, 
we had staff prayer every Tuesday, and um, I'll finish with this. Um, I, you know, I don't know if you're like me in prayer meetings. Your mind can wander quite easily, hey? You'd be singing a song, and then you look around and be like, oh, there's a bit of paint that's come off the wall. <laughs> I wonder if you should scrape that off and repaint it, or actually replaster it. Man, if you replaster this whole wall, it'd take ages. <laughs> Would you replaster it, then paint it? I'd be like, we couldn't use this room for about a month. And the whole time this is happening, you know, people are praying and singing and worshiping. My mind's just like this. One thing I noticed about Terry Virgo, it's like he had a refusal to disengage. I would disengage easily. He, it's like he had a refusal. I looked at him, I can't, I don't have a single memory of Terry ever having his eyes open. He always looked like thoroughly engaged with God. And not that there's anything particularly spiritual about your eyes being shut or open, but he's just always like pressing in. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to give this a go. Next staff prayer, here I am. I'm going to decide, song one, to shut my eyes and focus on God. And, and I'm going to sing, and I'm going to sing every lyric like God's in the room, and, and I mean it. And when someone prays, I'm not going to just sort of like look around the room. I'm going to listen into their prayer, make it my prayer, and then let that pull me further. And I decided I'm not going to open, I'm going to shut my eyes at nine, I'm not going to open them until 10.30. Over that hour and a half, I had some of those deepest, profound, like, filling of the Holy Spirit and encounter with God I'd had for months. Months. It was powerful, just meeting with God. What happened there? I drew near. Let us draw near. Let's shut our eyes for a moment. Let's do this right now. It's not a prayer moment from Simon. It's a moment for you to draw near. So no music, no singing. Just draw near to him. Look up. You have to look down. You could look up to him. On the ground right now, look at the blood of Jesus. It's been sprinkled on the floor. So you can walk over towards the throne. I'm walking where his blood has been spilt. Be aware of your flesh. That's not a bad thing. Bring your whole self to him. All your struggles, your weaknesses, insecurities, it's okay. It says, let us draw near with a true heart. That means all of yourself. Just bring it to him. Now look up at the great high priest. Just receive his mercy towards you. He's not angry. Come, Holy Spirit. Even right now. Come, Holy Spirit. Draw near to him. Just sit in his throne room. Allow the glory of his splendor just to hit your heart again. The depth of his love for you. Look at the scars in his hands. Isn't it wonderful? All right, let's open our eyes. So, in a few minutes, a few seconds, we can just draw near and have access to the throne room.
I did that in quite a cold sort of way on purpose. It's not linked to music or being together. You can have that every day. I do this on the schoolroom. Just grab a moment and draw near to the throne. I do this in Sainsbury's. Right now we're going to do it as a community. We're going to take some bread and wine together. As you're drinking this with wine, as it goes down into your stomach, you're remembering his blood was shed for me. As surely as you can feel the bread in your mouth, as surely as your sins are forgiven. And then Anna's going to lead us. Let's draw near to his throne. So should we stand together? Sometimes we sing for a bit, then come and take communion. I think right now, um, I think just come forward, let's grab it, and we'll, we'll take communion together, and then um, we'll, we'll sing together. You have just listened to a Beacon Church recording. If you would like more information about us, our vision, the team, or upcoming events, please visit our website, which is beacon-church.org. You can email us at office at beacon-church.com or find us socially on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You are welcome to share this recording as you wish, but please do not make any edits without express consent. Thank you.